Hey there, fellow candles. We are in the month of June. And the month of June brings us a lot of things, such as the first day of summer. But the month of June also brings Gay Pride Month. And for the Christian, seeing the blatant celebration of something that we know goes against God's created order and his commands, well, it can be nothing short of disturbing. But in today's episode, I want to encourage my fellow believers to not get disheartened about what we're seeing and hearing when it comes to God and his rainbow. And I'd like to share with you how to take back God's rainbow and be able to see past what the world has attempted to do to God's symbol of his promise, his faithfulness, his love, and hope. So stay tuned. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where God's people can come to be encouraged and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be. And when our flame is burning bright, we can't help but light the flame of others along the way. Don't think that you can make a difference in your little corner of the world? Yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hey everyone, today's episode is a very sensitive topic that I'm about to embark upon and it's one that comes with, with controversy because the topics I'm about to talk about revolve around LGBTQ. As you know, it is June and June has been declared as National Pride Month, Gay Pride Month. Now, before I go any further, though, I would like to take a moment to just make myself clear on some very important things so that my words don't end up uh, being twisted into something that they just aren't or were never intended to be in the first place. Because in all honesty, we know that there's a huge epidemic of words being twisted right now, especially first and foremost, the words of Christians. Anytime they, that um, we try to speak God's truth on any topic, our words will inevitably be twisted. Now, same-sex desires, uh, transgenderism, all these things are real struggles experienced by real people. But they're people who, like you and I, are created in the image of God. So it's important that we always, always keep this in the forefront of our hearts and minds. That right there alone should cause us to have love and compassion for people who do not share our beliefs. Notice I say love and compassion for the people. I am not in any way saying love and compassion for their beliefs or their actions because there is a huge difference. And I'm also going to get the old hater label out of the way because that's a very popular thing now. Um, because the truth is, the reality is, neither I nor any true Christian is a hater of anyone in the LGBTQ community. 
You see, to hate someone means to have an intense dislike for them. It means that you you certainly don't want what's best for them. Um, You want nothing to do with them. That's hating someone. And Christians, true Christians, do not feel that way about those who don't share their beliefs. In the interest of time in this episode, I am not going to go back and lay the groundwork with all the verses that say why God calls homosexuality a sin or, or, or any of these other things, because this is a podcast for believers that I'm speaking to someone who already knows and adheres to God's biblical mandates, who knows their Bible, who knows and embraces God's truths as to gender and sexual immorality and sexual orientation. But as far as the hate goes, no, this is not hating. Of course not. Because what the LGBTQ advocates don't seem to be able to understand is that when you truly love someone, you don't sit back and keep your mouth shut when you know something to be true and you see someone rejecting that truth to their own eventual long-term eternal harm. Many seem to forget that, that we can disagree vehemently about something, right? But we can still love one another. But in order to do that, it has to be, we can only love one another through the love of Christ, right? That agape love. And so much of this and all of this is focused on the, the human love, the, the eros, is that how you say it? Love, which involves um, physical affection, you know, the, the feel-good emotional type love, not, not the sacrificial love that loves truth um, at all costs and, and loves someone at, at all costs. It's a much different love than what the world offers. And see, a lot of the problem that we're running into here is that I speak of the advocates because in the quest to advance the LGBTQ agenda, if you will, the advocates have unfortunately gone about this through hostility and attacks. Just ask the bakers and the florists, right? And, um, you know, the wedding planners and the the town clerks and the people that have been hauled into court, lost their livelihoods, been fined thousands upon thousands of dollars. Um, And all the names, you know, the, the hater label, the bigot label, just labels, 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 right? To try to make the people sound is to demonize people. That that's what it's doing. And, but the sad part is in the attempt to demonize us, especially Christians, okay, they are inadvertently demonizing themselves. And we as Christians have to be aware of that. And we have to try to not go down that road where they are all demonized because of their hateful rhetoric and their hostility, because they are, again, created in the image of God, like you and I, the struggle's real and people are struggling, you know, there's such a wall there, I think, in so many ways. So we have to be aware of that as believers and remember that they are created in the image of God. Let's not let their demonizing have an effect where we demonize in return. And believe me, I know it's hard because I struggle with it. Sometimes I get so angry at their behavior, especially when it's they can't see the obvious. They can't see the reality of it. Um, 
but anyway, yeah, we, we need to be mindful of that demonization. And of course, that's because this whole thing is demonic. <laughs> so no uh, coincidence that the word demonization comes in there because this is Satan. He is short of time. He knows it. And he is full bore. And hey, look, I have homosexuals and people struggling with gender right in my own close circle of family and friends. Okay. And I love these people. And these are some of the most generous, kind-hearted people that I've ever known. But that does not change the fact that the lifestyle they are living, the choices they are making go against God's clear commands. And for that reason, I don't embrace their lifestyle. I don't embrace hormones to try and change a person's appearance so that they can try and look like the sex that they are not. Um, and I certainly don't approve of things such as the radical sex reassignment surgery, which to me is just, it's a horrific butchering of the human body, mind, and soul. It really is. But that is not what I want to specifically get into in this episode. <clears throat> I want to get into two other things, and that is the word pride and the rainbow. Again, it's Gay Pride Month, and we are seeing the rainbow with the word pride nestled right next to it everywhere you go. It's on our television commercials. It's in people's windows. It's on their cars. It's in department stores and grocery stores and even the sidewalks and the crosswalks. You have to walk over. The rainbow is everywhere. You can't miss it. I guess you could say it, it's in our face. So I'd like to just start by talking about the word pride a little bit because pride can be a good thing. It's a good thing when we feel pride about our job well done or or the kind of pride that we might express over the accomplishments of our loved ones, especially our kids, right, or our grandkids and things like that. And even the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the um, Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 7, 4, he says, I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. So the Apostle Paul felt pride. He was proud of the Corinthian church. But mostly the Bible has a very um, harsh condemnation of pride and for a very, very good reason. And the kind of pride that the Bible's talking about and consistently condemns is the kind of pride that is self-righteous or conceited or arrogant. It thinks more highly of itself than it ought. And this kind of pride, according to the Bible, is sin. And God has no problem in pointing out that he hates it. And why does he hate it? Well, because pride puts up a wall between God and us, right? It harms our relationship and our fellowship with him. And God loves us. He wants to have a close, intimate relationship with us. And with pride there, we can't. And not only that, pride blinds us to the truth. It blinds us to reality. So I'd like to just read a, a few verses, and a lot of them are in Proverbs, about pride and what God has to say about it. But I'd like to start with something that's the opposite of pride. And it's Matthew 5, 3. And it says this, blessed are the poor in spirits. And blessed are the poor in spirit was the first of the Beatitudes, which Christ taught the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, this has nothing to do with financial issues or poverty or 
we're being depressed or down on ourselves or self-esteem issues or anything like that. But what it does mean is that we realize that spiritually we are bankrupt, right? We need help spiritually because we're broken and we're, we're broken apart from Christ. And you know what? True riches are found in him and only in him. He's our source of wealth. But the culture, of course, tries to tell us otherwise because the culture believes that you're going to be quote unquote blessed if you just, well, if you're proud of yourself, if you are sure of yourself and you assert yourself and you avenge yourself and promote yourself, self, 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 right? Um, That's what our culture is about. But we know that the truth is just the opposite. It is not about us. Right? I love the, the acronym for joy. Jesus, others, yourself. Put yourself at the bottom there. And I know we hate to do that sometimes. But here are some um, verses about pride. Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19. It says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Haughty is prideful. And verse 19 says, better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. And, you know, I saw, this is a true story. I saw an article online once about this verse. Someone had actually gone through the trouble to do research on the verse where it says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And they said they could not find any correlation between a person being proud right before they fell. They literally were using the word, taking the word fall as referring to someone tripping and falling. So yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, Proverbs eight thirteen: the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate James four, six, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs sixteen five: everyone who is arrogant in heart, is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Proverbs six sixteen through 19 says there are six things that the Lord hates, and then it says seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, that's pride, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, that sounds to me a lot like abortion, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Proverbs 11, 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. And Psalm 10, 4, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him, and all his thoughts are, there is no God. So the proud say there is no God, because when you're proud, hey, you are what it's all about and you don't need anyone else you're basically your own god and pride pride is what satan right that was his downfall he was a very high-ranking beautiful angel in heaven one time he had it great and he became proud pride ensnared him to the point where he thought he could actually overthrow god and rule heaven so I guess along with pride comes a lot of foolishness as well, right? And of course, Satan was cast out of heaven. And of course, Satan hated God. He hates God's creation, especially mankind. And then we have what took place in the Garden of Eden. So stemming from pride, right on down, look where we are today. Pride started 
it all. But when it comes to taking pride in our sexual orientation, that is very, very misplaced. Because pride has nothing to do with our sexual orientation. I mean, I don't take pride in the fact that I'm a heterosexual, right? I don't take pride in that because being heterosexual, being attracted to the opposite sex, that's God's created order. And it's just coming naturally. It's not a choice I've made. But same-sex desires, on the other hand, as God clearly says, they're not a makeup of his created order. And as God clearly says, Romans 1, it's unnatural. But the LGBTQ community takes pride in it because they have made the unfortunate mistake of placing their identity in their sexual orientation. That should never be our identity. Our identity should be in Christ Jesus. But not everyone knows Jesus, right? Not everyone has surrendered their life to him. They don't honor and worship him as their Lord and Savior. Our identity as human beings is created in the image of God, right? Whether you know Christ or not, whether you have a relationship with him, you're still created in the image of God. And Satan is out to destroy that image. Jesus, in his death on the cross, he died just as much for my sin as the sin of the homosexual. All of our sins were enough to nail him to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. So if our, our identity isn't in Christ, where are we going to put it? Well, as sinful human beings, we are going to search elsewhere and put it where it doesn't belong. And that brings such great harm, not just to ourselves, but, but to society. Again, our identity should be in Christ, created in the image of God, not our sexual orientation ever or anything else for that matter. So yeah, pride, not a good thing. We should never be proud of the things that um, the world tells us that we should take pride in. So let's move on to the rainbow. Quick little scientific fact here that I thought was pretty interesting. How many colors do we see when we see a rainbow? Seven, right? But did you know that actually there are a there are about one million colors in that rainbow. The human eye can only distinguish seven of them. So we only see red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. But there are over a million colors. I thought that was pretty cool. But the rainbow, God's symbol, right, of hope and his, his faithfulness. In Genesis chapter 6, because of the continual evil and wickedness of mankind, you could say their pride and arrogance, because that pride and arrogance, again, it, it keeps us from recognizing God and we worship anything, anything but God. And mostly I think we tend to worship ourselves. And so because of the continual pride of mankind, God decided to cause rain to fall for 40 days and 40 nights on the entire earth. And it killed, as we know, everyone and everything except for a righteous man named Noah and his family. And, of course, you have all the animals that God spares so that they could, um, you know, procreate and reproduce on the earth again. But back in Genesis, that was when the very first appearance of the rainbow happened. Genesis 9, verses 8 through 16. This is from the ESV. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, 
I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So I never realized this before until doing some research for this episode that that rainbow is for all the earth, all the earth, for every living creature. That covenant is between God and the earth and, of course, all those who who dwell on it. Uh, We're down to verse 12. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And that was another thing that jumped out at me was when that rainbow comes out, we think it's just happenstance, right? Oh, look, there's a rainbow, you know, the storms pass. So we're between the the water and the, the sun. So they say, so oh, now we can see the water droplets. Okay. But when that rainbow comes out, God says he's remembering. It's reminding him of his covenant between him and the earth, never to flood the water, to flood the earth in judgment again. Now we know that there is more judgment coming from this earth, but it will not be through water. And the next time God judges the earth and the earth is destroyed, it will be through fire. Second Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And second Peter 3.7 <clears throat> says, but by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So there is another judgment coming and it's by fire. And that's for those who have not repented of their sin and turned to Christ. So for the believer, the rainbow, it's about God's promise and judgment, right? That rainbow that was first seen by Noah and his family after they came out of the ark, having been in there for months and months um, because of man's pride and arrogance, man's sin, that rainbow is a promise to us. It's a reminder that God is faithful in keeping his promise because We have not had an earth-wide flood since, have we? And we know that we never will. The rainbow is a sign of love, but it's a sign of not gay love. It's a sign not of human love, but of God's love, his love for us. It's a sign of God's hope and his faithfulness in keeping his word. So yes, unfortunately, the LGBTQ community, they have attempted to take that rainbow and make it a sign of what they call unity. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's not a sign of unity. And what that rainbow and that word pride and the unity, what it's really saying that we take pride in our sin against God and our bodies. 
and that all who wish to live outside of God's natural created order can do so and be proud, and we are united as one. But (laughs) the irony is that in that inclusivity that they talk about, you know, being inclusive, all are welcome, there's room for all. We know there truly isn't room for all. There seems to be room for all except for those who have different beliefs, who don't agree with them. Basically, everybody but Christians for the most part. So that's not true inclusiveness. But then again, as believers, we're told to come out from that, to separate ourselves and be away from it. Um, God tells us to not have anything to do with the shameful deeds of darkness And in fact, we are to expose them. And for me as a believer, seeing God's rainbow being used in that manner, well, it it brings for me forth a host of mixed feelings from sadness to just a sick feeling in my stomach and in all honesty, disgust. And again, let me be clear, not disgust for a person specifically who struggles with gender or same-sex desires or any of those things, any, any people within the LGBTQ community. Not the people, but I have a disgust that there is the usurping of God, the the disobedience of his commands and the fact that they're being celebrated, you know, using his symbol of a promise and faithfulness. It's that it's being so grossly misused, but this is nothing new and it's not the first symbol of God's to be mocked or, or blasphemed. Let's look at marriage just real briefly here. The Bible states it's clearly between one man and one woman, but it's been made a mockery of. Man's tried to change the definition of it. The state doesn't get to say what marriage is. I hate to tell him that. Um, God is the author of it. He is the only one who gets to define it, and he has clearly defined it in his word. And it's both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, by the way. Jesus confirms it as well. So the fact of the matter is there's really no such thing as as gay marriage as far as that goes. And marriage is is sacred, right? So sacred that it's used as a symbol. It's used to refer to Christ and his bride, the church. His bride that's supposed to be kept pure, stay pure. And part of that is fleeing from sexual immorality. Um, But it's a symbol of Christ and his, his bride, the church. And of course, well, we have God's gift of sex, right? That is also sacred. And God has set boundaries for sexual intimacy that again, is clearly stated that it's between one man and, and one woman. Um, the sexual union between a married couple, it actually physically makes physically and emotionally one flesh, which is what a married couple is, right? One flesh. But Satan has used people to take that sacred gift of sexual intimacy and make it all about the pleasure. And, you know, I hear Christians mocked when they say, oh, yeah, I know, gee, oh, sex is all about procreation. And they forget, you know, Christians forget that it's also a very special and an intimate thing between two people and, and pleasurable. And, and they'd be right. It is a wonderful thing. It's Again, God created it. It's a gift. And yes, it's pleasurable sexual intimacy between two people, but, but they conveniently forget the boundaries of that sexual intimacy. And again, the two people are a husband and a wife, okay? Male and a female husband 
and wife within the bounds of marriage. And, and God does it not to take away our pleasure or just restrict us for the heck of it. God does it because he knows the consequences of when we stray outside of those boundaries that he has given us for those relationships to be in, for the sexual intimacy to be in, because it's good for us. It keeps us from harm. So yeah, so moving on. This episode is about taking back our rainbow, by the way. How can we take back that rainbow? Instead of having all those feelings I described earlier when we see it, how can we see past it, see through it, all the noise and the junk, and just see God's rainbow, pure and holy, right? How about this? Every time you see a rainbow, I don't care what context they're trying to use it in, look at that rainbow and let it be a reminder to thank God. When you see a rainbow, whether it's out in the sky naturally or on a crosswalk or on display in the store, thank God. Say thank you, God, for your promise to be faithful. Thank you for always being faithful to your promises, right? Thank you, God, that you're not going to destroy the world again by a flood. Thank you, Jesus, for coming down to this earth, living as one of us, being tempted and suffering and dying on that cross and rising again so that we don't have to go through the next judgment, which is fire. And not only fire that's going to completely consume this earth, but what about the eternal fire? I'm talking about hell. Yes, yeah, something people don't seem to want to talk about too much in church these days. Um, I'm talking about hell, the hell that many people are going to spend an eternity in. And eternity is a long time, my friend, right? There's no end. It goes on and on and on and on. And there's no end in sight. That hell and the hell that we choose to go to. Let's not forget that. No one is going to go to hell who, who's lived a life for Christ. It's going to be those who rejected him, even though he made himself evident every minute of every hour of every day through his creation. But let's take that rainbow back, right? I keep getting off on these rabbit trails, I know. Let's think of God's promises, how faithful he is, and his sovereignty and his power, right, in, in ruling this earth. And his goodness, actually, his goodness in passing judgment. Because God can't overlook sin. What kind of a God would he be if he did do that? And his mercy in giving us an opportunity to flee from that judgment. And let's also, when we see that rainbow, let's view it as a call to prayer. A call to pray for those who are so caught up in the deception that what they're doing is okay and should be celebrated. Pray for those who persecute us, who do not share their beliefs. Let's pray for God's truth to be revealed to them, for them to be able to see God's truth and to come to repentance and experience the love of Christ, the true love that they're searching for, that they don't realize that they're, you know, misplacing the true love that every human being is searching for. But because of, again, of our sinfulness, we're searching in the wrong places. And when we see the rainbow, let us be reminded of the gospel. God's merciful, he's gracious, and he's loving. And I have, I'm going to be having a guest on in a couple of weeks who I had the amazing opportunity to speak with. Such a beautiful woman. 
And she lived the homosexual lifestyle, I think, for about 14 years. And she collided with the love of God. And what a wonderful testimony she has to share. I can't wait to share it with you. Because again, I I want a face and a soul put um, to those who are struggling. Because again, those activists, the agenda that's being fought in the civil rights arena is really hurting people. It's hurting the LGBTQ community in the long run. It's putting a wall up. So yes, I encourage you, take back the rainbow. It's God's rainbow. No matter what they try to make it seem, it's not their rainbow. They may think it is, but it's not. And you know what? Let's all be careful of pride, right? Because it manifests itself in so many different ways. And none of us are immune to being prideful. It's a struggle we all have. And that we will always have until our sanctification is complete. When we're not on this earth anymore and we are in heaven with Jesus. So song of the day, I do have a song of the day and it's by the Newsboys and it's called Guilty. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. I'll put the link in the podcast description. But I think it's a perfect song for what we talked about today. And how can you be that one little candle? Yeah, maybe you're just one person, but you're one little candle. That's all it takes. There's a lot of darkness out there. Stand strong in the faith. Don't let the threat of persecution hinder you. Don't let hatred for God's truth when you try to declare it. Don't let it snuff out your flame. Don't let it. Shine God's truth. Speak the truth in love. And, you know, you're not going to get around offending some people because, as the Bible says, the cross is an offense to those who are perishing. And sometimes, and speaking truth can be harsh. I'm not saying that, you know, you, you carelessly use your word. We need to carefully choose our words. We need to have a spirit of humility and mercy and not be demeaning to people. Cause again, created in God's image, just like you and I, but sometimes speaking the truth, it's going to be offensive to someone who doesn't want to hear it. They're going to feel offended, even though you're not really being offending. They're going to feel offended. They're going to be angry, but speak it anyway. Speak it in love and then let God do the rest. That's how you can be that one little candle. And hey, when we got a bunch of those one little candles out there doing that and they come together with their light, that light, right, it grows. It gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And it dispels the darkness. It exposes it. And that's another reason why people get so angry, by the way. Um, God says people love their sin. They'd rather walk in darkness. You put light on it. No, 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 no. They don't want that because then there's accountability. But anyway, thank you for joining me today. Have faith. Stay true to God. Stay true to his word. There's going to be a lot of pressure put on us. There already is. And we can just feel it clamping down even tighter. Um, But we're not to be surprised by this. But we are to stand strong in the faith no matter what. Stand fast and stand firm because you know, The signs are converging. We are about out of time here on this earth. Jesus is coming again for us, and he's coming real soon. I think much sooner than any of us realize at this point. And as Romans 13, 12 says, The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
Until next time, you take care and God bless.